Hello, and welcome to the Craft Brewed Music Podcast, music interviews for serious listeners. You may have heard of our curated music discovery app. The podcast lets us dig deeper and get to know the creators of that music, as well as others that will broaden your horizons. I'm Brian Horner, founder and curator of Craft Brewed Music, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Aaron Stamen, a Craft Brewed Music artist. episode, we're joined by singer-songwriter Aaron Thomas. Aaron's debut album, You Don't Know Me, was released in 2012, and it charted in the top 10 on U.S. folk radio. Maverick Magazine described the album as a debut to be utterly proud of and praised her divinely rich vocals. The album also featured a beautiful duet with country music great Vince Gill. Today, we'll be discussing her new album, Weeds and Wildflowers, which was released on June 10th and was co-produced with John Mock, another Crapford Music guest. Aaron is a friend, a collaborator, and one of my favorite musicians and human beings. Welcome, Aaron. Oh, thank you, Aaron. I'm so happy to be here with you all today. Aaron, uh, let me introduce you to Brian, my co-host. <laughs> Have you met him? <laughs> I wasn't sure if we were going to disclose I was sleeping with one of you or not. <laughs> Wait, which one? We'll, we'll let the listener guess which one. <laughs> so for, for those of our listeners who may not know, we're Aaron Thomas is the first of our guests I've been married to. <laughs> Hopefully the last. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, the podcast uh, opened up with the uh, first track off your new album. It's called New Thing. Uh I've been waiting roughly a decade for Aaron's <laughs> shiny new thing, and it's here finally. Um, how how long has this been in the works? Yeah, it it has been kind of a journey of my life um, over the last ten years, I guess, in a way, um, and not really knowing when it would come to fruition. Not that I've really kind of been working on it in terms of thinking of an album project the whole time, but just kind of living my life and writing songs along the way. And um, this turned out to be the right time to put it all together. And, um, and I'm really proud of how it turned out. I just, uh, I love a new thing and um, new thing is actually one of my more recent um, creations. And, and as Brian knows, um, I, I get a little antsy sometimes you know, I just get things that are mundane or routine can get boring for me. So I'm always looking for the next new thing and um, the next thing I can buy, the next way I can rearrange our furniture around the house <laughs> or like. Um, I'm always looking for things to stay exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, it can, be, it can be a bit interesting sometimes when he comes home and I've changed the living room around um, for no yeah. reason. Anyway, so yeah, this is my new thing. I'm proud of it. I um, It's been a really fun process in the last year of kind of putting all the songs that I've created in the last several years together and um, wrapped it up in a bow with these wonderful players in Nashville. It's a, it's a fantastic sounding album. The uh, new thing, uh, the chorus of new thing, uh, uh, describes a crisis of middle aging. And it occurred to me that of all the grand gestures and maladapted things one can do in their 40s to react to the uh, middle age crisis, <laughs> making an album is one of the most sensible things you could do. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm curious, like, 
how much of uh, creating uh, the album is is coping and how much is facing? <laughs> oh, good question. I mean, creating creating music is kind of part of who I am, I guess. I don't know how to not do that. Um, so, someone said that without music, life would not be fair. And I can't remember who who said that, but that's kind of how I don't know how to live my life without doing music and creating music. And, um, so I guess, I guess it's always kind of a coping mechanism for me. I don't know. It's just one of my outlets, one of the things in my life that makes me feel whole and, um, makes me feel alive, emotional, expressive, um, all of those things that, make life great for me. So um, maybe coping, I guess. Let's <laughs> <laughs> <was> just coping. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would, I would certainly argue listening to this album though, that there are uh, issues of this, this era of life and realizations and kind of shaking hands of the person you are that are, are facing up to your realities in, in a uh, extremely uh, healthy way. Sure. Um, getting, older is um is different than i expected it to be um you know having aging parents um getting older in your career um having a child who's you know a teenager now like all of these things the journey of life just takes a different shape and it gets richer and wonderful and also just harder in ways that no one can really explain to you until you're in this place. And so um, part of what I've created, I think, is just a response to some of those feelings and facings, I guess, um, of getting a little older and, you know, relationships that I have with my family and my friends and um, making moves, you know, moving to Georgia was kind of, a big change that happened for us in the last couple of years. Um, so all of those things are just kind of part of what I guess I'm facing and expressing through this record. And you and, you and Brian had been in Nashville for uh, quite a long time prior to that move. Yeah, I feel like I kind of grew up in Nashville as as an adult. You know, I, I, um, I grew up in South Carolina, but lived in Nashville from age 18 until... I guess age 40. So my whole adult life was there and um, until now. <laughs> and uh, I loved every minute of it. I mean, Nashville is a great place. Um, it has a lot of creative energy and fueled us for all that entire time um, in our careers and in our relationships and um, raising our child. You know, it was a wonderful spot for all of that. And uh the change was hard in ways, but also we feel really good in Georgia and we feel like we made the right decision to just be closer to some of our family and um, set down some new roots down here that are kind of closer to where my original home was in South Carolina. And then recording Weeds and Wildflowers, you uh, ended up heading back to Nashville to collaborate with, with John Mock and uh, musicians from there. Was that a, a homecoming of sorts? that process? Um, music wise. Yes. I, um, I loved every minute of being in the studio with John and with every person who came to, um, add their magic and, uh, talent into what I created. And, um, going back, I do have to say though, going back to the actual place of Nashville for me, um, it's just so different going there now. You know, it looks like a different place, even in the few years that we haven't lived there. Um, there are areas of town that I feel a little bit lost in, you know, I'm just looking around and thinking what it used to look like and how it's changed. And so in a way it feels like it's changing so rapidly that it doesn't have that rootsy kind of home feeling for me anymore. Um, yeah. But in terms of the music making, for sure, it feels like exactly what I wanted to do. It feels like we created something that is kind of my musical home and 
a representation of everything I've always loved um, about music. And uh, in that way, it definitely feels like home. You know, and in, in new thing, we talk about this uh, a crisis of middle aging and, and that transformative process. And I wanted to discuss your origin uh, as a singer-songwriter and how that was born out of a a crisis of sorts, because uh, you'd already been in, okay. in music for a decade doing something very different. Yes. Yeah, so at my core, I have always been a lover of music and a maker of music. And as a young preteen um, child, I began playing the French horn in the middle school band and quickly realized that I loved it and I happened to be pretty good at it. And my best friend and I both played it and just um, we're so we sort of had this competitive uh, back and forth um, relationship with, with playing the horn and um, throughout high school uh, I was involved in lots of, you know, opportunities going to governor school, all state and all those things and realized that that was kind of going to be my path, um, that I really wanted to go to college for horn and I really wanted to make it my life's career. And I chose to move to Nashville to play the horn, curiously enough. Um, you know, Nashville is a music hub for many genres and, and styles of music unbeknownst to a lot of people. Um, you know, it feels like such a country music, um, hub, but it actually celebrates and elevates many genres, jazz, classical, um, lots of rock and roll. There's everything um, you could imagine music-wise in Nashville. So classical music being one of those things. And I found a teacher there um, who I loved and really encouraged me that, you know, living there, I could take advantage of many opportunities um, within the collegiate setting and the professional setting. Um, and her name is Joy Worland. She's a dear friend, mentor, and, and just um, one of the people in my life that I think has had the most influence for me. Um, so long story short, I did go to Nashville. I became a professional horn player. Um, I left briefly to go to graduate school um, in Rochester, New York at a conservatory called the Eastman School of Music and got a second degree in performance um, on the horn there. And by that time, Brian and I were engaged to be married and he lived um, in Nashville. And so, of course, I was headed back to Nashville to be with him and to kind of pick up where I left off with my professional horn playing career. Um, I ended up getting a job in the Chattanooga Symphony then, and I was playing recording sessions and Broadway shows that came through town and playing a lot with the Nashville Symphony and other regional orchestras like Huntsville. And um, it was great. I was loving it. It was exactly what I had set out to do. Um, as a young player, I felt like I kind of got lucky. I, I moved to town when there was a need um, for good players and started just really enjoying um, that life and that lifestyle. And after about 12 years, though, um, I one day went to work to play a recording session and realized that something felt completely different um, when I was playing. And I realized that I, I had some loss of control um, with the musculature in my mouth. I wasn't sure exactly what it was. I immediately assumed maybe I had um, eaten something that was, you know, too salty or I was dehydrated or just, you know, didn't sleep well. You know, the things you kind of tell yourself when something's really off um, and you can't really tell why. And it turned out it wasn't going away over time. I uh, went through a process of trying to rehab the muscle, um, thinking it may have been an injury, and ultimately came to find out that it was a neurological issue called focal dystonia, where the muscle uh, becomes dysfunctional in a very specific and nuanced way. Um, so there was kind of the end of my horn playing career. Um, and 
you know, just devastating turn of events. Um, At that point, I had to just completely revisit, you know, what my life was going to look like. And I was really only age 32, I think, Mm -hmm. when that happened. Um, So there was the whole reinvention of, okay, well, I'm still a musician now. Um, and I can't play the horn anymore. So what else might I be able to do? And one of the teachers that I went to see during this two year period of kind of searching, um, named Laurie Frank was a New York trumpeter. And she had worked with a lot of players who'd gone through this similar, um, process and journey of having focal dystonia or having some kind of muscle movement, um, problem. And she's the one who encouraged me to pick up a different instrument that I might be interested in learning. Um, And so since I was already a singer and I liked singing and I was interested to learn an instrument that could maybe help accompany my singing or that I could just play for fun, I decided to pick up the guitar. And that was when I started learning guitar and from there became... um, kind of a hobby songwriter, um, messed around with a lot of songwriting stuff for a little while and then kind of realized that was something that seemed um, like the next thing for me. So I I was loving it. I was into it. It seemed like um, other people were liking my songs, so I kind of leaned in. And fast forward to now, and you know, here we are, and I have a couple of albums out, and it's been quite um, an unexpected journey, but one that I can see is full of some purpose. Um, you know, in the the ways you think about life kind of going a certain way and the turns that, that and the shifts that are created along the way, um, you can kind of always find the reason for things happening the way they do. So it's interesting for sure. Can you take me back to... to- that first song, pushing that first song out? It's really vivid in my mind. Um, I mean, I can picture myself on the front porch with my guitar, and I'm pretty sure I was playing a Miranda Lambert song and just sitting out there singing and enjoying the summer night, you know, and probably drinking a beer. (laughs) Um, And... I started messing around with the chords that were in the song I was playing and it ended up taking this turn into like a completely different chord progression. And then I, I remember words just starting to fill into the music. Um, and I think when, as a, as a songwriter, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit, Um, quirky in that way. I I don't know, you know, I haven't talked to a lot of songwriters about their process, but I'm imagining that a lot of people start with lyrics and then end up finding a melody. And for me, a lot of times I start with a melody and end up hearing the lyrics fill in or finding the lyrics after then. So that's kind of what happened. And once a few lines started coming to me, then the rest of it just flowed out um, really organically and easily. And after about an hour, I remember going in and saying to Brian, I, I'm pretty sure I just wrote a song. <laughs> she played it and sang it. And I said, yeah, I, I think that's a song. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's, it's a song, right? Like it's something you make up. It's not a big deal, but in that moment, I just, I remember it feeling like a big deal and feeling like something that um, I created that was special and meant something because it had been a while since I had a feeling of accomplishment and a feeling of um, pride and creative energy, you know, after that two years of such painful, just uh, round and round, you know, trying to figure out what what was wrong with me and, and Mm -hmm. sorting out my life and wondering what was next. And I just remember that being a really wonderful release. 
Sure, a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a uh, a tune on the new album called "Write a Song," and uh, I based all my research on your songwriting process on on this song. <laughs> my understanding of your current process is that it requires a love triangle and a twelve pack of beer. <laughs> I'm just sitting up in my room Trying to pick and sing And I keep waiting on him to call tonight And I'm starting to feel the steam People say in Nashville In times like these There's two things that you can do You write a song or you hit your knees Well, I guess I'm doing both tonight Yeah So I'm gonna write a song If it takes me all that long Before the night turns into dawn I'm gonna write a song So writing is what I do When you love her You want her back Well I'm just trying to move on But my heart is blue and black And I'm torturing myself With my guitar And a 12 pretty much making you know me making fun of myself um about my process because it's so ridiculous and it's the reason I really don't co-write very much um and it turned out really I I like it a lot it's uh it's fun to play and I I like how it ended up uh, sounding on the record and um yeah I don't know that there's much that's true about that song (laughs) Well, it's interesting you mentioned uh, that you know not the songs don't have to be uh, autobiographical or or true to your your current life. Um, you know when people sing and play like you, and there's an intimacy and there's an earnestness to the voice. It's easy to assume as a listener that everything you're hearing is is Erin Thomas. This is this is her life, um, right? And I still pray. I mean, when I, you know, it's definitely easy to think that when you hear, when someone delivers a lyric really well and, you know, you're connected to the story they're telling. Um, so you always wonder, you know, is this real or is this um, a narrative that's something in the imagination or a fantasy or whatever it might be? Very troubling if you're yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, ma- I imagine it is. <laughs> Um, w- one of my uh, favorite uh, tunes on on the new album, and a, and a song that I think has this this uh, you know friction between the uh, the songwriter's mission and um, and you know uh, fiction versus re- reality is "Good Old Days," which which is a beautiful song that begins as something that's an earnestly nostalgic tune with Granddaddy talking about how things were better back in the the time he was rain, uh, raised but it quickly turns into, into something else and showing kind of the gritty underbelly of what we thought were the good old days and an idealized uh, era that had yeah. many, many problematic things in it. Yeah, I'm glad you like the song and I'm glad you wanted to talk about that one um, because that one feels important right now. Um, it's a song I've been wanting to write for years, actually, and I never, um, It's it just recently kind of, came to me um the lyrics and the melody and kind of how I wanted to do it um and I feel like I I feel like we got it right um but yeah I I don't know if you guys know much about the Judds I loved I loved the Judds when I was little and I learned um I think I learned to harmonize partly because of them you know they Mm -hmm. they always have these really tight harmonies in their songs and Mm -hmm. I have a guilty I still love to listen to country music from the 80s and 90s um 
fact, there's a station every time I drive from Chattanooga to Nashville, 97399. It's like, if you can get it, it's always like fuzzy on the radio. But if you can tune in and listen, it's you can hear all the oldies and the goodies of like, the Duds and Conway Twitty and Clint Black and like Patty Loveless and all those. I love all of those um, artists from that time period. Anyway, so I loved the Judds and um, but they had a song. They have a song uh, called Grandpa. I think it's called Grandpa, but in the song, it's a it's a child talking to their grandpa and saying, "Tell me about the good old days." Sometimes it feels like this world's gone crazy. And it's uh, the whole song is just kind of a laundry list of like, did people really bow their heads to pray? Did daddies really never go away? All of these things. And she's saying, tell me about when times were great. And the older I got, you know, the more I realized and the good old days really weren't that good for um, <laughs> pretty much anyone who wasn't straight, white, male. Um, so I think I wanted to create something that honored the progress you know, that we've made. And there's so many things wrong with our world. And, you know, it can be a painful uh, process. Progress can. Um but I am proud that we are making progress for those people um, that are of color and for women and, you know, the LGBTQ community um, who deserve a place and not only deserve acceptance and acknowledgement, but they deserve value and they deserve to be heard and they deserve power and this kind of progress, I think, is wonderful about the current days and the days to come. Hopefully there's, um, you know, there, there's definitely a lot more work to be done and, and hopefully we'll continue along that path, even as painful as it may be, um, these growing pains we're having, I think. But that's kind of where that song came from, and I think um, it's one of my proudest creations i would say yeah and i think the the, the listener is rewarded in that that last that last verse where the narrative is flipped in present day and you realize mm -hmm. that uh while as, as you say things are not perfect in these days there's been uh uh there's been progress and it's it's, it's a better time for a lot of people still not the best yeah. yes yeah there's a lot of work to be done but it is a better time for um, a lot of groups of people that did not um, have uh, a safe place uh, to live and be and um, exist in the quote good old days of the whatever that means the 30s 40s 50s I'm not sure um, who what time period it would be but um, you know you hear people talk about times you know, the good, the good times back, back when. And, um, but you don't hear many people of color talk about that. And you don't hear many, um, gay and lesbian people talk about that. And you don't hear a lot of women talk about that. So I think it's, it's, um, good to see the progress we've seen. Daddy says the good old days Were back in the day when he was raised When a penny earned was a penny saved And Sunday morning everybody prayed Back in the good says in the good old days 
Straight was a stick and happy was gay Mama would say you kids go play He and Priscilla they would roll uplifting family oriented tunes but of course because i'm weird i gravitate <laughs> toward all the dark ones so i'm gonna go <laughs> i want to talk about civil war next <laughs> like, to, to the listener who's going to enjoy aaron's album i i swear to god it's it's a very very positive uplifting album but i'm gonna go right for the for the other stuff because that's where mine we'll goes. call the episode the dark underbelly of weeds and wildflowers or just weeds <laughs> <laughs> You're going for the weed theme, I think. Yeah, that's right. Get, getting into the weeds. With <laughs> uh, so, Civil War, uh, I think, uh, has is one of the most beautiful songs for the uh, production, and it's got um, a set of lyrics that uh, relies on kind of a, a switch between uh, a, a present day, you know, relationship on the brink of a collapse, uh, and then kind of like this uh, sepia flashback to you know the childhood trauma of, of parents separating and there's something you know just intrinsically cinematic about the the lyrics and the way that you and john mock came up with the production i think just accentuates the uh, the lyrical quality of that song in a, in a beautiful way and I'm, I'm, i'd like to hear about the process of taking that the raw material for that song and making it into the production that's on the album When you 
sepia is such a good word for um the flashback or the memories um of of a painful experience um john i have to give john credit for this production really i um i went back and forth did i want a cello did i want a whole string section did i just want a guitar vocal and what we started with was this is the only song in the album that um, John and I recorded together live with his guitar and my vocal together um, without being to a click track or anything. It was just a very um, freely moving, open kind of breathing thing. And uh, it felt great that way. And really, I think, I think we took the first take of trying it. It just, it was a perfect, one of those like unusually perfect moments of it just came together. Um, and I sat with it for a while like that, thinking maybe that was all we should do with it. Uh, Cause just, I really, just guitar and vocal. Yeah. Yeah. Just guitar and vocal because I, this is one of those where I think the lyrics are the focal point. Right. And, Mm-hmm. Not that they aren't in other songs, but um, this song just speaks powerfully. The The narrative and the lyric kind of carries it. So I lived with it for a while like that and then talked to John and he had some ideas on um, what we could do. And we, we discussed and brainstormed different things. Um, cello string section organ um and i said what if you know seeing as how it's called civil war not that it has to do with the actual civil war but um just the con the home conflict uh was kind of what i'm getting at with with Mm -hmm. that phrase um but i thought maybe we could have stewart who's the fiddler um play sort of this drippy sad Civil War feeling, Ashokan farewell style kind of mm-hmm. introduction, and and then he could kind of weave in some responses and fills throughout and see what that did and where we wanted to go from there. So really, that was the next layer. And when we put him on, I mean, he nailed it. He just he made it weep, um, and it was perfect. And then I said, I wonder, you know, I'm looking for like a pad of sound to just support what's happening that would feel heavy and weighted and, you know, further the the weight and the sadness and the pain um, throughout. And he had the idea of using the harmonium, which I had never scene played and i i mean i'm assuming most of your listeners aren't going to know what a harmonium is either um but it's this mm-hmm. box organ slash accordion um primitive instrument that really is played almost like 
a bagpipe with air pumping in one hand and then another hand playing a very small keyboard. Mm. Um, So he figured out how to create this pad of sound underneath what was happening. And I thought it was really beautifully done and, and kind of the perfect setting for the emotional um, weight of this song. It's extremely effective in, uh, in creating an environment for those, those lyrics. Thank you. I'm glad you liked that one. And I'm drawn to sad songs too. So I feel you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very pleased to hear that that song was done without a click. I think that's, you know, in in the the modern era of of recording, virtually everything is recorded to a click for ease of adding tracks later. But there's a certain way that music breathes when it kind of contracts and expands uh, with the, the rhythm when it's just you and a guitar and your voice that I think is... Uh, it's impossible to 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 capture with uh, with a grid. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us out of the weeds now uh, and talk about what I I feel is your primary thematic orbit for this album, which is family. And there are no less than uh, four songs that uh, deal with this uh, this this topic: uh, homes, people, uh, sister. Uh, Love is You, and My Daddy's the Coolest Guy, which is one of my favorite tunes. Um, uh, you already mentioned the Judds and uh, 80s uh, country, uh, but as for your formation as a, as a songwriter and as a singer, uh, I get the feeling that your dad was a big influence early on. <laughs> yeah, good call. Um, he certainly is. He uh, He's a good sport <laughs> for... For um, putting up with my songwriting. My daddy's the coolest guy I know. Cooler than Selleck and cooler than Marlon Brand. with my family you know that they aren't gonna escape getting a song written about them um I just my family's too big and crazy and too you know it has too much good material uh to not be used for for my songs and uh I we live with love as um the priority and togetherness and I have to give my mom and dad credit for that. I, you know, my dad is a quirky, um, wonderful, really smart, creative, thoughtful, and sometimes painfully quiet person. <laughs> um, but, but but rarely nude. I'm getting from the song. That, that <laughs> Actually, when I sent him this song. He said, "How did you know? Um, how did you know that?" <laughs> so I think he might. I think he may. I think I may have nailed it. With that <laughs> we we might see him in the future. Okay, which is hilarious. Oh gosh. Well, yeah. He so getting to where you know the influence, the musical influence, and things. He's um, he's always been a lover of music. He has a record collection that is um, incredible. It must be thousands of records um and it just covers all genres i mean from classical to jazz to soul to funk to country to you know singer songwriters of the 70s 80s um all those great musicians that have kind of influenced i guess who i am as an artist just 
by way of listening to good music all the time because he always had stuff playing on our record player. Um, And we'd spend a lot of time in the evenings on the porch um, with guitars and he played bass and we'd bang on things, whatever we want, whatever we could find uh, in the house to bang on. And we'd sing and just had a great time. And I have to, I have to just give him credit that his musical tastes and loves have kind of infiltrated my um, scope of creativity and just the roots that I always come back to um, are like the Guy Clark and Towns Van Zandt and Mm -hmm. Emilio Harris and uh, you know those writers that I probably didn't realize I was even um, soaking in as much as I was but uh, he's he's just kind of the music anchor of my world in terms of um, the influences that that have brought me to where I am. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are uh, lines uh, in in the album that uh, that that hit me in a very specific way, uh, and um, I'm always anticipating them. But uh, the the line from Homes People, another family oriented song, uh, is laughing with my man drinking beer on the square. Yeah, and that one never ceases to make me smile because I think of uh, of the two of you. Uh, and I think of, uh, your laughter and I think of, uh, actually it's one of my favorite pictures, uh, from my wedding album. Hmm. And I don't know if you know, if you remember this picture, but it's the two of you sitting at a table together, Brian's explaining something, looking like <laughs> the straight man and you have your head thrown back, just laughing so hard. And like, it is one of my favorite pictures I have, uh, at home, but I, I, I I've now uh, indelibly linked to that line with, <laughs> with, that, with that picture. Uh-huh. Brian makes me laugh hard still to this day after <laughs> 21 years. And uh, he, he, uh, he won me over with his humor and he, he keeps me going with his humor. So yeah, I, I like that line too. That is definitely a, a, one of those lines that is based in reality and truth. And um, something that I value very much is, is sitting with him and, talking and laughing and uh we have a really great historic square here in marietta where we live and uh our favorite brewery there is a place we love to sit and and visit and just catch up on things and um no doubt laughing about everything who knows what but brian's always got you know he's always got the uh cracks (laughs) i almost had i almost had a second line on the album and a co-write in the song sister because it has the lyric the only thing better than a sister is a sister who's my friend and to me the clearly better option would have been the only thing better than a sister is my mister and it was actually recorded and considered and almost made the record and um none of that is true at all that's (laughs) not about you at all (laughs) Oh, so close. Nice try, though. <laughs> I did think it was a funny joke, but that's the extent of it. <laughs> I guess I'll take it. <laughs> well, Aaron, I uh, I love this album, uh, and congratulations on an amazing job putting this together. Uh, every track is is a joy, and I look forward to sharing it with more people. Oh, thank you so much. I loved making it. And um, I love hearing the incredible musicians who made it better than I could ever make it. And I just hope that it helps people to feel something, you know, feel happy, um, feel the pain that maybe they need to reflect on or just feel connected to people um, and laugh and cry and all those good things. So Thank you for featuring it. Thanks for having me. And um, good work to the two of you. I love your podcast. I think you're doing amazing work to highlight musicians who deserve um, to to get some attention for the great things they're doing. So good job, you two. Well, th- thank you. And we thank should you. note that our next episode, we're going to keep it in the family and talk about Aaron Stamen's new album, which will be out 
next Friday, June 24th. Uh, and Aaron Thomas, you're singing some backgrounds on that, right? It's and, a great uh, album. I'm so cool. excited about it coming out, Aaron. So excited. Yeah, so we'll get into that. Thank you very much. Both albums can be heard everywhere music is streamed. And uh, Aaron, thanks so much for uh, talking about all this with us. Thanks, guys. Home's beautiful sisters and cheap red wine And home's sitting with daddy and passing the time Home is pushing the girls in the big rope swing Home is everybody's here, don't worry about a thing for listening. Craft Brewed Music, both the podcast and the music discovery app, has the mission of promoting this music and these artists. We can't do that without ears on the music. So if you like what you've heard here, we're going to ask you two small favors. First, tell someone about the podcast. Second, go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Craft Brewed Music app, and try a free two-week trial of the curated streaming service. For more information, visit us at craftbrewedmusic.com. Thanks again, and see you next time.